Good morning. Well, you know, we, we come into this new life with uh, some baggage. You know, we, we come in with uh, some problems. We are, we're, not, we're not perfect. Uh, we have dispositions in our personality that badly need to be changed. Uh, we have strongholds in our thinking, patterns of thinking, patterns of responding to life that just aren't what they should be. And we need to change, we need to grow, we need to mature, we need to become like Jesus. And so the question is, how do we do that? Well, our series that we've been talking about is the Spirit-Filled Church. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is that in a Spirit-Filled Church, people are growing by the Spirit. We grow up, we change, we're transformed, we're set free, we're made into new people by the Spirit of Christ living in us. Not by keeping a set of rules, not by keeping a set of laws. Uh, In a Spirit-filled church, people are growing up by the working of the Holy Spirit, not merely by human self-effort. And there's, there's, a, there's a drastic difference between the two. I mean, it's a big enough difference that it really ticked Paul off when people weren't seeking to grow in the right way. Many Christians' lives are a mess emotionally and spiritually because they don't know this difference. And there's, there's possibly, I don't like, to, I don't like to, to, be, to make overstatements, but I'll, so I'll put it this way. There, there's possibly more misunderstanding and frustration over how we grow as believers than just about anything else in the Christian life. Now, absolutely, we are to grow. We're to get set free from these bondages and strongholds and patterns of thinking from sins, we are to grow and to be transformed. We are to become more patient, more loving. We are to exude the the love of Jesus. Uh, We are to be holy. We're to be self-controlled. We're to be transformed in our minds. Paul said that his, his desire was to present every person, everyone, fully mature in Christ. But how we go about this can be the difference between heavy, burdensome, oppressive, no fun Christianity and life-giving, Christ-centered, spirit-filled, joyful, even happy Christianity. Now, to... To to understand how you become complete, mature, perfected, as as Paul says in this passage in Galatians, how you become holy, how you become sanctified, how you become all that Christ and God wants you to be, it really helps you to know what you are or who you are. I know this may sound crazy, but I think this is absolutely might be the most important thing that, it, that, that I say this morning. And that is this. A Christian 
is a person, and maybe you should just stop right here and think, what do I think a Christian is? What is a Christian? A Christian is a person in whom Jesus Christ lives by his spirit. That's who you are. And, you know, I'm not much for getting people to, you know, say things during the service, but let's all say, Jesus Christ lives in me by his spirit. Jesus Christ lives in me by his spirit. You know, one of the songs that we were singing this morning ended with the phrase, Jesus is alive. And, hey, you know, let's get excited about that. But the thing that I think takes it from sort of an abstract truth, Jesus is alive, is going a little step further and saying, Jesus is alive in me by his spirit. The same Jesus Christ who overcame every temptation, who had compassion on the crowds, who always did what pleased the Father, who laid down his life for others, who washed the disciples' feet, who healed the sick and forgave his enemies, lives in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, this is called a mystery, and it is a mystery. But it's the, it's the revelation, it's the revelation of the new covenant. It's the revelation of the gospel that this is where it brings us. It brings us to Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a mystery, but it is, it is now the defining truth of who you are. This is now what you are to be completely conscious of, completely aware of this, day and night, throughout the moments of the day. Uh, this, is, this is to be the music playing in your head, so to speak. And I read, just happened to read this week about people having problems with music playing in their head. And it just gets in their head and they can't get a song out of it. And people get controlled by the music playing in their head. Well, this is to be the good music playing in your head. That Jesus Christ lives in me by his spirit. We enter the kingdom of God by being born of the Spirit, and we grow up in the kingdom by living in relationship with the Spirit. Paul, we'll get to our passages that, I, that, 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 we, that Jim read for us, but in Galatians 5, Paul said, since we live or since we have life by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Okay, so it's, it's like, okay, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes into you that, that, that gives you new life. We have this new life to begin with. We become Christians by the Spirit. We, we, ha- we are born of the Spirit. We have, since we have life by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So, so this, this process as a Christian, growing up in Jesus, continuing to walk with Jesus, is, is, is not something you crank out by your own effort, or by beating yourself up, it is by walking in relationship with the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not going to say it's not a battle to do that. I'm not going to say it's super easy to do that. But that is a Christian life. It is by walking in relationship with, this, with the Spirit of God. 
Now, for those that have, that have grown weary or frustrated over your, over your own spiritual failures, this is great news. And I think I could say that's all of us, right? It's great news for all of us. For those who have felt the misery and the guilt or the power of a particular sin that they have just fall, that you fall into over and over, this is great news. William Cowper, a poet, wrote a, wrote a hymn or two, said, This union of Christ, or excuse me, this union of our soul with Christ under the influence of the Holy Spirit has become the very life of my soul and the soul of all my happiness. That Jesus is present Savior from the guilt of sin by his most precious blood and from the power of sin by his Holy Spirit. So he said this truth, this truth has become the very the very life of my inner being. It's, it's become the, the soul or the source or the ground of all my, of all my happiness. Hudson Taylor, a uh, well-known missionary to China, wrote a book called, or there's a book called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets. It's actually written about him, but it has lots of quotes from him in it. And he said this, I, I saw the blessed reality that Christ liveth in me and how great the difference instead of bondage liberty instead of failure quiet victories within instead of fear and weakness a restful sense of sufficiency in another another capital a jesus so that's the way we're supposed to grow no wonder that paul was upset with the galatians and he even, he even called them foolish. I mean, that's pretty, pretty strong language. I don't think I would have the courage to get up here and call you guys foolish. You foolish Galatians. I mean, but it ticked them off because they were, they were going about this thing the wrong way. And it, it was dangerous. It wasn't just like a little, a little problem. It's, 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 a, it's a huge problem. And so he said, I, I'd like to just learn one thing from you. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? That is, by your own works and efforts to keep the law. Does God who supplies you with His marvelous Holy Spirit and works miracles among you do it as a result of works of the law which you perform? or because you believe confidently in the message which you heard with faith. Uh, so that was, some of that was taken from the Amplified. But makes it pretty clear, I think. So basically, just puts, he just puts this right out in front of them. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Was he, was he like a prize awarded to you for your great performance? Was he like a, a trophy that you won for some spectacular thing you did? Did you achieve something great or do something great to achieve the Holy Spirit? Uh, was he given to you because you perfectly observed all of God's laws? The, the answer, obvious answer is no. 
God gave you his, and I, I do like the Amplified, the marvelous Holy Spirit. God gave you his marvelous Holy Spirit as you believed, as you believed. He came to you, he came into you by believing and he will continue to work in your life as you continue in simple faith and abiding in him or or as commonly put several places in the New Testament as you walk with him. If you received the greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, if you received the greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit, by faith, why would you turn away from that to some inferior method of perfecting yourself or completing yourself or growing growing up? So you are not only to receive the Spirit by faith, you are to be perfected by the Spirit, as Paul says, as you believe, as you trust, as you depend on, as you walk and live in Him, and you really can't grow up any other way. David Guzik said, this scripture, this passage in Galatians that we just read, lays out one of the fundamental differences between the principle of law and the principle of grace. Under law, we are blessed by grow and grow by earning and, and deserving. Under grace, we grow spiritually by believing and receiving. So the, the key ingredient to, to growth is really to have a believing heart and a receiving heart in what God says he has done and is doing and will do for you. So the key ingredient to being perfected by the Holy Spirit is is your faith. Uh, In a book that I read not too long ago by uh, a a guy named Rankin Wilborn, it's called Union with Christ, What Is It? Really good, solid book. But he says this, faith is how our union with Christ becomes operative and powerful in your life. Faith is how our union with Christ becomes operative and powerful in your life. And don't get confused when we talk about you know, Christ living in us or being our union with Christ, and then we talk about the Holy Spirit being in us. In us. I mean, I think it's Romans 8, I think it's Romans 8, verse 9. Uh, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit the Spirit, he's called the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ, all in the same verse. And to have Christ living in us more, more literally means that Christ lives in us by his Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but So we're talking about Christ living in us, we're talking about the Holy Spirit living in us, I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking about like vastly different things, okay? It all, it all works together. Hope that's clear. But faith is how our union with Christ becomes operative and powerful in our lives. And here's, here's how this works as, as, as I see it. And this is just the, the best way I can describe it. In every moment, in every new situation, whether, I, you know, whether it's a situation of conflict or responsibility or temptation, in every conversation... In every emotion you experience, in every problem you encounter, you must actively, actively believe that Christ is here now 
in me by his spirit. And he makes me fully sufficient for this moment. Ian Thomas, who's uh, pretty well known for writing some, some books about just Christ living in us, said, said this. He said, to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit means for every new situation into which every new step takes you, no matter what it may be, to hear Christ saying to you, I am. All capitalized, you know, I am. It means, repeat that, to walk in the Spirit means for every new situation to which every new step takes you, no matter what it may be, to hear Jesus Christ saying to you, I am, and then to look up into his face by faith and say, you are. That is all I need to know, Lord, and I thank you for you are never less than adequate. So it's just it's it's faith it's it's faith in believing what God says that 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 He is here, that God is with you, that He's in you, Christ is in you by the Holy Spirit. He is He is the I am, and in 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 faith you respond and say yes, you are. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20, it, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that's how you can live too. I mean, that, 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 really that verse ought to be one that we just, just, just have totally ingrained in our consciousness. I mean, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So that's how, that's how you can live too. You can get up, get up each day. You can start thinking, hey, you know what? Today, I can live life by trusting in the Son of God who lives in me. And if you know the rest of that verse, which I hope you do, uh, is even more special because I can live today trusting in the Son of God who lives in me, who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, it's just this whole, th- whole beautiful picture that he loved me, gave himself for me, he lives in me, and I can live life today by faith in this one. Now, if this is not, not clear to you, and, and I, think, I think we all struggle with, with having it become really clear to us and really grasping grasping it, we need to pray, uh, pray for revelation uh, to understand it. And, it's, and really, the, this is one of the things that Paul prays repeatedly for. Uh, a couple of prayers in Ephesians, for example, in Ephesians 1.19, Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Well, what is that same power that raised Christ from the dead? Romans, which we're actually going to look at a little bit later, tells us it's the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And so he's praying for a revelation, for understanding that the eyes of your heart would be open so that you would get this. 
And that's something that we, you can pray for yourself and pray for the church family, pray for people, people you love. It's really, really, really important. Because God's Spirit, God's Spirit is fully able, able to come, overcome all, all your strongholds, all your bad habits, all your sinful tendencies, all your strongholds. Paul said, our weapons have divine power to destroy strongholds. What are the, what are the strongholds in your life? What are, the, what are the ways of thinking, the patterns of reacting to people and situations? What are, what are the false beliefs that really, really hold you back? Paul says, we, we've, we've got something that's divinely powerful to, de, to destroy that stuff, to demolish it, not, not just to make a little dent in it. We've got the Holy Spirit, something divinely powerful, to tear it down, to demolish it. But often what we need is, is the wisdom and the revelation in the eyes of our heart opened to just see how much power is in you by the Spirit of God. In a, in a similar prayer further down in, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays that the Father of our uh, out of his glorious riches uh, would strengthen you with all power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I find that a very, a very fascinating prayer in that Paul wants us, he, he wants us to know the power of the indwelling spirit so that we would fully realize or fully experience Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. And there, there again, you see this close connection between the Spirit living in us and His power being known and understood within us and that helping us to experience Christ living in us by faith. And I mean, cause Of course, there's, there's this very objective sense in which Christ lives in us and He doesn't come and go and He's always there. Um, but but Paul's praying for us that we would that we would know the, the the power of the indwelling Spirit so that we would really experience have an experiential knowledge of Christ living in us by faith so that this would again it kind of goes back to what we said at the beginning this so that this would become the 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 thing that we're conscious of all the time totally conscious of that we're just aware of it this is this is our daily experience that this becomes our daily experience of Jesus Christ living in me by by the power of the Spirit. Uh, again, to quote from Rankin-Wilborn, he said, If the Spirit is the means by which Jesus unites us to himself, then it is essential for the Spirit to be known and celebrated in order for the union with Christ to be appreciated and embraced. And that, that's pretty much what Paul's praying there in that prayer in Ephesians, that, yeah, you know, guys, I'm praying that you'd know Know and embrace and understand the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner, inner person so that, so that you'd really get this thing we call union with Christ. Christ living in you. And he ends that prayer by, and I'm leaving some of the prayer out, just can't, don't have time to cover it all, but he ends that prayer by saying, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I don't know if, 
about you. I think a lot of Christians have heard that. You know, God is able to do more than we ask or think. He's able to do uh, abundantly beyond all that we ask or think or all that we can imagine. Well, that, that, that prayer is in the context of God able to miraculously and powerfully transform you by His Spirit. And, I mean, the, the point is really is that God is able to do more miraculous transformation within you by His Spirit than you can ask for or even imagine. And believe that. We need to believe that. However, if you kind of get on the wrong side of this or if you swing over to the, to the, to the, to the other, other side, the, the problem that Paul's dealing with in Galatians and also he, he, deals, he talks about in Romans, um, if you try to improve yourself or just grow up or become what you think you're supposed to be, uh, kind of fulfill the, the, you think the expectations that God has of you, if you just try to do that uh, by by your own efforts to just to keep keep God's laws, uh, you end up with bitter frustration and a deep sense of failure and and condemnation. And of course, we can't go into it all of it, but Paul tells us of his own struggle to keep the law and his failure to do so in Romans chapter seven, and basically. Uh, what he says is one commandment. I mean, w- just one command. One commandment ruined me. And you know, do you know what commandment it was? You shall not covet. Do not covet. And he says just just that one command came along, and it just it ruined ruined my life. Trying to Paul said trying to obey that one command turned me into a miserable wreck. I wanted to, but I couldn't. And he ended up saying, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I mean, that's, that's how bad he felt it was. And if, if you really try to sincerely please God, and you're just, you're just trying, to, trying to crank it out, you're just trying to do it, you're just trying to, to uh, become what you're supposed to be doing, and, and you're just, you, you try and you fail, you try and you fail... You just get to that point where you say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will, who will deliver me? You just feel like it's a body of, of death, a, a helpless body. Well, Paul had reached the point that he, he, was, he was no longer looking for what could deliver him, but who could deliver him. And he knew that he was beyond the help of rules or even commandments, even as, as good as the, and holy as the commandments are. He knew that he was beyond the help of just having somebody say, you better do this. He needed a power outside of himself. And he, he says, thanks be to God. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Romans 8 basically goes on to, to, to explain this. And he goes on to describe that there's, there's, a, there's a better way of sanctification and growth than getting, getting tied up in... in just trying to keep the law like I, like, like I was doing. And so, first of all, it's just the, the wonderful, glorious statement 
at the very beginning of Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's probably the f- a first thing that a Christian who is struggling and feeling wretched, that's probably the first thing you need to hear. He's going to tell us kind of how to get out of this struggle. Because, again, it's, it's going to be to get away from trying to do it by the, the law and self-effort, get into walking the Spirit. But first of all, you just, hey, you, you just, guys, you just need to hear there is no condemnation, therefore, now, in Christ, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, this, this wretched condition of trying and failing, uh, this misery of our inability and powerlessness to keep the law, this black cloud of condemnation was taken care of by Christ. He was, he was going to tell us how it works, or he's going on to tell us how it works, but first, just good news. There is now no condemnation for people who are in Christ. And that's really important to know. As we talk about growing, uh, just it's a foundation. I'm not going to camp on this long, because I want to kind of get back to what we're talking about. But uh, a guy named War- Walter Marshall, uh, old, I, I would say uh, Puritan age, it's an old book, said, there can be no growth without the comforts of the gospel. For the practice of holiness, it is necessary that we be well persuaded of our reconciliation with God. I mean, if you even start practicing holiness and growing up, you just you got to have this groundwork settled. That 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 you got to be well persuaded, as he puts it. Sometimes the old language actually communicates much better than than our present language. You got to be well persuaded of your reconciliation with God. There can be no growth without the comforts of the gospel. So, in order to grow spiritually, you must be con- convinced that you stand in this place of acceptance by God without condemnation. Uh, because if, if you don't go there, then you know all your energy, all your emotional, all your spiritual energy is going to go toward fighting feelings of condemnation and guilt and shame, wondering if God really loves you or not. And so, in a sense, growth can really start, healthy growth can really start the day you get off that treadmill of focusing on yourself and your failure and start to rest in the amazing grace in which you now stand. But there is more than that. That's, that's, that's not the Christian life. There, it, it is, it's a foundation, but there's more. Verse 2, Through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, okay, we, we're kind of, kind of coming back to our main theme this morning. It's through, grow, we're growing through the Spirit. Through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Without Christ, you were governed by a law, it says. Uh, you, and, and there's different ways that people put that. It's called, sometimes called a principle. You're, uh, a principle uh, or just the way things work. But without Christ, you were governed by an inescapable pattern of living, a law. You were under a law, a law of sin and death. You sinned. And you, exp- and you experience the misery and the consequences of sin, a, a, which is really a living death now and eternal death to come. And that was just the way life worked. It had to work that way. It was a law. Without Christ, you were under that. 
But now that you have Jesus Christ in you, there is a new law at work in you. There's, there's a new power, a new way that life works. It is the law of the spirit of life. And it says, the law of the spirit has set you free from the old law of sin and death. In other words, it's, it's set you free from the tyranny of your, of your sin. Now, the, the inclination to sin in, within human nature is powerful. Uh, the inclination to unload your anger on someone is powerful. The inclination to open your mouth and say what you shouldn't say is powerful. The inclination to take vengeance is powerful. The inclination to harbor bitterness and resentment is powerful. The inclination to follow that lustful desire is powerful. I mean, that's, that's why people sin. That's why, why people destroy their careers and families and reputation. The law of sin and death is powerful. But thanks be to God, there is a greater power. And that is the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It alone has the power to set you free from the power or the law of sin and death. And probably the most interesting word in, in in this verse is the word has. The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. So there's a sense in which we have to grab a hold of this and believe it. You know, faith is not faith is not just passively uh, saying, "Okay, that sounds really nice. That's that's good." Uh, faith is, is is grasping on to something. Uh, I I often have compared it to uh, the, the difference between window shopping and and going in and actually buying something. I mean, just you can go to the store and see something that's really cool, that's neat. Like to have that. Wish I had that. Uh, faith goes in and buys it and takes it home with you. And that's what we have to do with these truths. We have we have to we have to appropriate them or take them. Faith grabs a hold of them. It, we 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 take the promise of God and we mix it with faith and we make we we believe it for ourselves. Uh, we take it. We make it. Make it our own through faith. Um, that's kind of a sidetrack, but maybe possibly would help someone. So again, Paul says we grow and change and get freed from stuff, uh, not simply by the laws or commands, but by the Holy Spirit. So we really need to identify ourselves totally with this new New, new law, okay? We, we, need to, we need to understand this new law at work in us. We need to totally associate ourselves or identify ourselves with this new way of living by the Spirit. Our, again, your identity must become, I am a person in whom Jesus Christ lives by His Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit has set me free from the old way of living, the old law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. The law or the, the commandments of God could not remove the guilt of your sin. And the law or the commandments of God could not change your, your sinful tendencies. Nothing wrong with the commands. Something wrong with you and me. But what the law could not do, God did. And I, 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 I love just the, boiling that verse down to that. What the law could not do, God did. He did it by sending his own son to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. And this is really important. He didn't, he didn't only condemn sin in the sense of forgiving your sin. He condemned the power of sin to, to rule over you. So God, what God did, uh, he went to the very heart of our human condi- condition. He went, he went to the very heart of our problem, of my problem, of your problem. He went after our sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned sin's power to condemn us and sin's power to control us. He died that we might be justified and not condemned. He also died in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who walk according to the Spirit. So what is the answer to the guilt of our sin? It is the death of Christ. What is the answer to our wretched failure to live as we ought? It is the life of Christ that has come to dwell in us now by His Spirit. It's called the the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. No law has ever been able to heal you or fix you. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Again, Romans 8, 11, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. God used the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead. Now, if that Spirit who had that power lives in you, do you not think He can change your life and set you free and change you? Uh, you have, I mean, just think about the Holy Spirit. You have, you have the death-raising, death-defeating, death-defying Spirit of God living in you. I mean, you are so much more than just flesh and blood. You are so much more than just a normal human being. The Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. So now, the answer to everything is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, because everything Christ has for us comes to us in and by His Spirit. And we become the the people we were created to be as we live according to the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in, in this new way of working, He is inclining you to spiritual things. He is in you with, with moving you to righteousness. He is in you with bearing the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness. And 
your job is basically to abandon yourself fully to him, to stay with him, to keep in step with him, to live according to him. So the secret of Christian growth is, is found right here in, the, in these passages and others, of course. It's learning to walk according to the Spirit. I'm going to dare to quote from the Message Bible one more time. From this, I can't remember which verse this is in Romans 8, but what the law code, what the law code asked for, but we could not deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. So our life now is basically learning what it means to keep in step with the Spirit, to involve involve, involve yourself with the Holy Spirit, live daily alongside the Spirit. In every situation of life, choose to be led by the Spirit in your words, your responses, your attitudes. And it is so good to know that when I get up in the morning, I can, I can really cast the entire weight of, of living life that day upon the Holy Spirit and to trust Him for all that I need to be that day. Uh, I can count on Him to be my counselor and helper, my guide, my teacher, and if I, feel, if I wake up and feel like I just got ran over by a truck, which sometimes I do, you know, I don't have to pay much attention to that because I'm not counting on myself for being a good Christian that day. <laughs> I am counting on the law of the Spirit of life to bear me along. And He does. The Spirit gives you, gives you, what, what, you what you need. He gives you the, the love you need, the the words to say, the, the, the stimulates your thoughts for, for good works and things, to, things you can do for people. So we never, we, we're never trusting ourselves and our own willpower, but we are always trusting God's activity in us by His Spirit. And so again, you know, when you don't feel that spiritual, uh, it, it, it's, it's like, okay, so what? You know, we're, you're not looking to you anyway for anything from you. You're looking to, to Christ living in you by his spirit. I live by faith, Paul said, in the Son of God who lives in me. So if you want to exude love and patience and joy and peace and gentleness, it has to come from the inside of you, and that has to come from the Holy Spirit. You just you trust him to bear those things in your life. So... If you were to ask me uh, how to grow as a Christian or how to live each day as a Christian uh, through all the ups and downs of life, through all the temptations, through all the problems, through all the relationship issues, through all the demands of life, this message that I just gave you would be, would be my answer. It's by living by faith in the reality that Jesus Christ lives in me today, in you today, by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.